Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, you'll enjoy the story of the Twelve Brothers, popularly attributed to the Brothers Grimm, who published their version of the story in 1812. The Twelve Brothers is a story whose theme is repeated in many other tales, generally known as a Maiden Seeks Her Brothers or The Brothers Who Were Turned Into Birds Tales. Designated by the Arne Thompson classification system as type 451, the same theme appears in a number of different fairy tales around the world. Will a king's cruelty curse his entire family for all time? Will a young girl find the courage to remain silent even in the face of certain death? To find out, just sit back, relax, and enjoy my version of The Twelve Brothers. Once upon a time, there lived a king and queen. From the moment they wed, the king expressed a wish for the queen to give birth to a daughter. The first child she birthed was a boy, and the king accepted this and was happy, but he hoped that the next child would be a daughter. But just as before, when the queen had a second child, the midwife announced the birth of another son. The queen gave birth ten more times, and with each birth as the midwife announced yet another boy child, the king grew more despondent, until finally he was more than half mad. On the day he found out that the queen was once again pregnant and expecting her thirteenth child, he made a reckless declaration. If this child is a girl, I vow to put all my sons to death, and my daughter will inherit my entire kingdom. The queen was distraught. She cried and paced restlessly around the castle, wringing her hands. Her youngest son, a kind, loving boy, noticed her distress and asked her what was troubling her. The queen refused to answer at first. She didn't want to upset the boy. But two days later, the king showed her to a room that held twelve coffins with wood shavings inside and a small satin pillow in each one. The queen gasped in horror and shock and ran from the room crying. The youngest son heard her and went to comfort her. Mother, I demand you tell me what is wrong. I cannot stand to see you so upset, he said. The queen hung her head when she answered. I am afraid your father has gone quite mad. He has decreed that if this child I carry is a girl, he will order the immediate execution of all of his sons. He has shown me the twelve coffins that will hold you and your brothers. The youngest son stared at his mother aghast. It can't be. What can we do? The queen straightened her shoulders and held her head high. I cannot bear the thought of losing any of you. You must leave the palace tonight. Tell all of your brothers what is happening. You must go through the woods to the big hill beyond it, where you can have a view of the palace. Stay there, watching each day for my sign. Once the baby is born, I will raise a white flag from the highest turret if the baby is a boy and you may safely return home. If it is a girl, I will raise a red flag, and you must all stay away from the castle to protect yourselves. Once the king has come to his senses, I will send my men to bring you home. Now go quickly and leave here as fast as you can. The queen kissed her son tenderly and sent him to speak to his brothers. When the youngest boy spoke to his brothers, they did not believe that their father could be capable of so great an injustice. 
so he took them to see the room with the twelve coffins with their little satin pillows. The other brothers became angry, and the eldest said, We must leave the palace as soon as we can. We can camp in the woods beyond that hill where we can watch for Mother's signal. As the rest of the brothers learned of their fate, they too became angry and despairing of their situation. They gathered some clothing and supplies and left the palace as the sun was setting. They traveled to a rise in the woods and made camp, and then they took turns climbing a tall tree to watch for their mother's signal. Ten days passed, and on the 11th, the youngest son, whose turn it was to watch for a signal, called out to the others, A red flag flies from the palace tower. Our fate is death if we return. He climbed down to his brothers, who were shaking their heads in disbelief. It is unfair that we should face death or exile just because of a single girl child, said one angrily. From this moment on, vowed the eldest brother, when we cross paths with a girl, we will avenge ourselves with her blood. The brothers traveled even deeper into the forest, wandering until they found a bewitched, abandoned cabin. There they took up the strands of their lost lives and struggled to survive in the vast forest. The older brothers spent their days hunting and gathering food and firewood, and the youngest was charged with keeping the cabin clean and cooking the food. The brothers lived this way for ten years that seemed to pass quickly. In the king's palace, the young girl whose birth was announced with an angry red flag grew in beauty, loyalty, and kindness. She was born with a small star on her forehead and was beloved by the kingdom. She was also greatly loved by her parents, but she knew nothing of her brothers because no one in the kingdom dared speak of them for fear of arousing the king's wrath. Then one day, when the young princess was looking through some trunks of clothing, she found 12 matching shirts in sizes from small to large. She went to the queen and asked, Mother, whose shirts are these? They're too small for father. The queen took her to the locked room where the 12 coffins with their satin pillows sat gathering dust and said, The shirts belong to your 12 brothers. Your father, the king, ordered them killed when you were born a girl child, and I sent them away to save them. But where are my brothers now? asked the princess. I do not know where they wander now, said the queen sadly. I sent them into the forest, and they have been there these ten long years. The little princess wept over the fate of her brothers and said, I cannot keep living without my kin. I will go out into the world, and I will not stop looking until I find them and make myself known to them. The queen tried to dissuade the young princess, but her mind was firm, and she left the palace to begin her search. She walked for many days and nights in the forest and stayed resolute in her pledge to find her brothers. Finally, on one rainy day, she came upon the enchanted cabin and knocked on the door. The youngest brother, who was home alone, answered her knock, and seeing the beautiful child with a star upon her forehead, asked her who she was. I am searching for my twelve brothers, she said. They were driven from home by my father, the king, and I want to meet them and prove my love and devotion to them. Then she opened the bag she carried and showed the youngest brother the twelve shirts with the royal crest sewn onto each one. The youngest brother gasped in astonishment. 
I am your brother, dear princess sister. The two siblings embraced each other, crying and rejoicing. They danced around the little cabin until they collapsed, laughing on a bench. Then the youngest brother thought about his brothers. I must tell you, sister, that when we were forced to leave the palace, their anger was so great against the news of our sister's birth that my brothers swore a blood vengeance against any girl or woman that we might encounter. They are sworn to kill you or any girl they encounter on sight. If that is how they feel, then I will gladly forfeit my life to satisfy my brothers, for their treatment at the hands of our father was unforgivable. If my death will bring them peace, so be it. The youngest brother embraced her warmly and said, Dear sister, do not worry. I will handle my brothers, but they will return at any moment. So hide here beneath this basket until I call you out and say not a word. The young princess hid under the basket, and shortly thereafter the brothers returned from their hunting and sat down to their meal. The youngest said, Do you want to hear what happened today? It was something quite marvelous. The brothers, always eager for novelty, said that they very much wanted to hear any news. But the youngest brother said, I will not tell you the exciting news unless you promise not to kill the next girl you see. The brothers agreed, and the eldest said, We don't have to spill the blood of the very next girl we see. We want the news, so tell us now. Very well, said the youngest brother. Look here. With that, he tipped up the basket and helped his sister out from under it. Here is our dear sister come to visit us. The other brothers stared at the beautiful, smiling child, and they couldn't help but love her on sight. There was great rejoicing in the little cabin that night, and the brothers' hearts were melted of their hate and envy. They all decided to live together and never return to the palace. The youngest brother and the princess kept house. The princess gathered herbs and seasonings to make their meals more savory, and she sewed beautiful white coverlets for all of their beds. All of the siblings lived together happily and wanted for nothing for seven years. Then one day, while the princess was tending to the garden, she was drawn to 12 beautiful white lilies that always grew there, no matter what the time of the year. They were always in bloom, and she had wondered at their beauty and longevity for some time. The youngest brother was planning for a special celebration meal to surprise his brothers, and while he was inside cooking, the youngest sister decided to pick the flowers to make a beautiful decoration for their home. She carefully picked each flower, but as she ripped the last flower free from the earth, a terrible clap of thunder rang out, and looking up, the princess saw eleven ravens flying overhead, and then a twelfth raven flew out of the house, joined them, and they all flew away. Just as quickly, the house and the garden disappeared, and the young girl was left alone in the forest. An old woman appeared in front of the princess and said, What have you done, child? Those twelve flowers were the very lives of thy brothers, and now those lives are forfeit, and they will end their days as ravens. Is there nothing I can do to restore my brothers? cried the young princess. There is but one way, said the old woman, and that way is so hard that I doubt that thee would be willing to take it. I will do anything and take any risk to free my brothers, said the young girl. Very well, 
said the old woman. Thou must not speak or laugh or make any sound from thy mouth for seven years, and only then will thy brothers regain their true form. With that, the old woman disappeared, and the princess stood alone. I know I will set my brothers free, thought the determined girl, and she climbed a tree, resolving not to speak or make any other sound for the next seven years. She slept in the tree, only coming down to gather berries and other wild food to sustain herself. One day, two years into her silent vigil, the princess perched in her tree heard the approach of a king whose kingdom lay beyond the forest, leading his hunting party. One of the king's hunting dogs came up to the princess's tree and barked and pawed at its trunk. The king dismounted and looked up into the tree to see what had caught the animal's attention. There he looked into the lovely golden eyes of the princess. He was entranced by her beauty and the star upon her forehead and fell instantly in love with her. He spoke tender words to her, but she shook her head and didn't answer. The king helped her down from the tree and declared his love for her. The princess was equally smitten with the handsome king, and when he took her back to his castle and asked for her hand, she nodded her agreement, and they were married. The princess uttered not so much as a word for the next four years, speaking only through gestures, nods, and smiles. Her loving but silent nature enchanted all who knew her, save one. The king's mother took an instant dislike to the princess and even hated the young woman. She vowed to bring the new queen to ruin. The cruel woman whispered into the ears of the palace priests and anyone else who would listen and said that the mysterious woman must be in league with the devil. She convinced many that the new queen's vow of silence was actually the token of a pledge she had taken to evil and that her presence endangered the entire kingdom. The princess, now a queen, could not speak to defend or explain herself, so she sat silently while others accused and ridiculed her. Her husband, the king, sought to defend her but with the entirety of his household arrayed against her and the palace priest demanding her execution, he thought that there was nothing he could do to save her. He feared that he too would be accused of witchery and that he would lose his kingdom. The king's mother had the priest draw up a charge of witchcraft against the new queen, and the king, with a leaden heart, signed the declaration of her guilt and sentenced her to death by fire weeping upon the decree that now bore his signature. Through everything, the young woman kept her vow and said not a word, even as she was tied to a stake and a torch was set to the pyre. As the first flames reached her clothing, she bore the pain and heat of the fire and did not call out. Then the very last moment of the seven years of silence ended. The young queen's raven brothers flying in despair over her execution pyre, swooped to the ground and regained their human form. Free of their curse, they attacked the fire, putting it out and freeing their loyal sister who fell into their arms, crying. The king rushed to them, and released from her silence, the queen explained her royal birth and what had befallen her brothers to her husband. He begged her forgiveness, and this she granted, as he enclosed her and her brothers in warm embraces. 
the king ordered that his wicked mother be put to death for her treachery. She was immersed in a barrel of boiling oil and was set upon by venomous snakes who attacked her viciously in their dying agony. The king invited all of the brothers to live in the castle with their sister, and they all lived happily ever after. The end. I hope you enjoyed The Twelve Brothers. The central plot of The Twelve Brothers, sisterly sacrifice and sibling love and loyalty, is repeated in a number of other stories and fairy tales, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Stories like The Magic Swan Geese from Russia, The Curse of the Seven Children from Italy, The Girl Who Banished Seven Youths, which is an Arab tale, The Seven Ravens from Greece, and The Twelve Wild Ducks from Norway. All of these describe a sister's brave sacrifice to save her brothers, as well as celebrating the love that siblings share. In The Twelve Brothers, the princess sister has to sacrifice her voice to save her brothers after she picks some forbidden flowers. This punishment seems especially unfair because the princess had no way of knowing that picking the flowers violated some magical rule, and in fact, she was picking them to do something nice for her brothers. Unfairness is a very common theme in fairy tales. And in real life, it does seem that we can run into trouble when we cross boundaries that we didn't even know existed. Sometimes people have personal boundaries that we violate unknowingly, that provoke negative emotions and angry reactions. And basically we're kind of rooting around in the, in the garden of somebody else's psyche or their life. And I think this uh, story emphasizes that we should be cautious when we take actions that can affect other people. The element of this story that fascinates me the most is the part that silence must play in the plot. A woman being forced into silence even while she's being accused of monstrous crimes and she desperately wants to proclaim her own innocence is very disturbing. The princess is accused, convicted, and sentenced to death without being able to utter a single word in her own defense because of the harm it would do to her brothers. How many times have women in history been forced into silence by circumstances outside of their control? Whether it's the enforcement of cultural norms that include stifling the free expression of women, or because of gender roles that demanded silence, women have often been told to literally or metaphorically shut up. I'm sure that whoever originated the 12 Brothers story was trying to give voice to the deep frustration of being silenced and powerless, and the graphic punishment meted out to the young queen's accuser, the king's mother, at the end of the story would be cathartic to anyone who has ever been unfairly silenced. Another observation I made while studying the 12 brothers is the interesting parallel in the story when the 12 brothers must flee, i.e. fly from the castle for their lives only to have to fly again as they lose their human form and they have to fly away from a second home. This time they fly quite literally as ravens. In other fairy tales written on the same theme, the brothers are almost always turned into a bird of some type, and while the flying skill of birds can be used to represent freedom, it is ironic that in these stories it's a curse and an imprisonment. Now onto the subject of kings in fairy tales. I'm often amazed at how often the king characters in fairy tales are portrayed as weak, gullible, vindictive, or all three at once. They often take on weaker roles than the women featured in the stories, and the Twelve Brothers is no exception. 
The father king in the story is obsessed with having a girl child and for some unknown reason, and his wife must act to save her sons from him. Then the second king in the story, who marries the mute princess, stands by while his evil mother fabricates trumped-up charges against his wife, even going so far as allowing her to be put to death. Luckily, the brothers in the story are more action-oriented men, and they are able to stop the execution at the last moment. We must always remember that fairy tales are, at their cores, peasant stories, which were often told by peasant women to each other. So I believe that they influence the people telling the stories to give voice to women's concerns, and women's work uh, was always a, a, an included feature in, in every story, almost every story. It's my opinion that when mostly men started recording these stories and publishing them years later for a more upper-class audience, a lot of the original women-focused themes were altered, but they weren't entirely erased, and so I don't share the viewpoint of some women who see fairy tales as always weakening the role of women. And in fact, I see a lot of female strength even in the stories as they exist now. The motivations of royalty, uh, as I was discussing King's behaviors, the motivations of royalty in general were probably pretty mysterious to the original storytellers of fairy tales, which makes the actions of royalty in them appear strange and inexplicable at times. Royalty at the time might have been as distant as gods from their subjects, making decisions that could alter peasants' lives in good or terrible ways on a whim. It's no wonder that royal figures in fairy tales and gods in mythology often behave in capricious ways, doling out life, death, and good and bad fortune without a thought about the effects of their actions on their subjects. The two kings in this story are perfect examples. Well, that's all I have for now. Please keep in mind that it's always a bad idea to marry a mama's boy, even in fairy tales. And join me again next week for another story in Fable City Radio.